Hey, welcome back to Investment Fund Secrets. I'm Bridger Paints, and today we're gonna to talk about the four different types of investors. I've spent the last three years learning from some of the most ingenious fund managers around, and now I've decided to take the plunge and start my own fund. The real question is, how will I do it? With no investors and without an Ivy League degree, this podcast is gonna give you the answer. Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we start and build multi-million dollar investment funds. I'm Bridger Pennington, and this is Investment Fund Secrets. All right, welcome back today to the podcast. Um, Wow, this last couple weeks has been crazy. Uh, Just give you a few updates. In the last episode, we talked about things we were starting the back end, and we launched officially uh, Investment Fund Secrets mini course is what it's called. So it's the mini compilation, you get it for less than a hundred bucks. It's um, a consolidation of, I've taken all the content I've learned from other fund managers, from books, from studying the SEC, and brought it in and tried to compile and compress as much content as I can get into what I call a mini course. There's nine videos in there, and I walk you through step-by-step of how I launched and started my fund, how others have launched their funds. I walk you through a real estate example, a Forex example of how that works, and then how to pitch investors in there. I give you my pitch deck, so a pitch deck that I made, you actually can download it. I do a screen share of walking you through why we built a pitch deck a certain way. And anyways, I I try to (laughs) pull out all the stuff that we've done. Um, Now this is just a mini course. This isn't in our mastermind, master class stuff. That's only opens up a couple times a year, but this is our mini class. And um, we also have a Facebook group. So we have, I think right now, we got 130 people in there. or at least 130 people have signed up and we'll see if they all, they're all supposed to join the group you know, over the weekend, hopefully they all join in, but people that are wanting to, either are currently running funds or wanna launch funds are in there right now asking questions. I go live in there usually about once a week and answer questions, so if you're interested in that, um, you can only get in the Facebook group though if you're a paying member of the mini course. It's kind of a small mastermind that we're trying to bring people together that are on this. Um, so anyways, it's kind of been fun. We've, we've launched that. I've had a lot of people reach out and tell me about different funds they're starting, all sorts of just everything across the board. Um, it was fun to see because to actually find my people, like my group of people, because it feels kind of lonely running a fund. You talk to your in-laws, you talk to friends, they have no idea what a fund even is. And then you have to explain what your fund specifically does. And it's just, it's a long road trying to explain to people what you do. I just tell people, yeah, I just... I just manage money. And uh, that's what, kind of what I say. And they go, oh, okay, kind of cool. And they move on to somebody else that's you know, a doctor or a lawyer or you know, something more simple to, to explain. But it's cool to bring together a community of people from all across the country and even around the world, people in Australia or the UK. We've reached out and, and started to chat and meet up. So I've loved this so far. So if you're interested, go to investmentfundsecrets.com. It should just take you right to the landing page. You can opt in and, and um, see all the stuff on there. So anyways... But it's been fun to launch that and be, reach out. I know a lot of people listening to this show said, they, hey, I listened to the show and I went over there. And anyway, so thank you guys for listening. It's been huge. So today though, I want to dive in on the four different types of investors. Actually this, I go into more depth on the mini course, but I wanted to give you a quick segment on what those four types are. And then I want to tell you a quick story too, how to pitch them. So before we dive into the, the four segments, um, I was talking to somebody, I met with somebody for lunch last week and they're asking me about my fund. And they were saying, Bridger, so you started your fund in your early 20s. And I said, yep. How did you have the confidence to pitch investors? 
And if you remember, I was I was wanting to start a fund. I had the idea. I was working at a company. They needed lending to some of their clients. And I said, I can do that. I can figure that out. And, and I went and talked to my dad. My dad runs a $16 billion real estate private equity fund. They're huge. They're, I think, the, in the top 20 largest real estate funds in the world right now. Um, and he started it from nothing. doesn't have an MBA. doesn't have a Harvard degree. Went to a second tier school. Just an entrepreneur. And that's why I firmly believe Anybody can start, build, and scale a fund. You don't need to grow up in an ivory tower. You don't need to be on, you know, grow up in Greenwich, Connecticut to run a fund. Anybody can do it. And the the rich people of this world would, would not want you to believe that because they want to reserve it for their kids and their great grandkids to run funds, but you can freaking run a fund. So, anyways, my dad runs a fund. I, I go to my dad, Dad, I would love to start a fund. He says, great. He says, you need to read the LP and PPM at least 13 to 15 times before I can talk to you. So I'm like, okay. So I sit down and read these thick legal documents. Um, well, anyways, I'm not going to go into that, but it was for three weeks straight. I, I woke up every day, read the documents, started to, and then slowly started to understand what a fund did and what it was and the terms that we've talked about in this podcast. I'm um, starting to figure those things out. And then finally, I have my fund together. I'm excited. And I go to my dad and I'm like, dad you run a big fund, you must have money. Um, Cause my dad, we've lived a very modest life my entire life. Um, and I go to my dad, hey, you must have money. And he's just a, he's a, a frugal entrepreneur, I guess you could call him. And he goes, Bridger, I have the money to give you to start your fund, but that would ruin your experience of finding and pitching your investors. And he said, I won't invest with you. And he kicked me out. And he said, go find, you got to go find your own investors and struggle like everybody else and see what you can do. Because he says, I think you have no idea how much money is out there and how much you could actually raise. And if I give you money right now, it'll cripple you when raising money. And so I, he kicked me out of my sorry butt out of the door and I, uh, I started to, what everyone tells you is just Call anybody and everybody. You have no idea who has money and who doesn't. So I started putting my name out there. Hey, we're, we're raising money. It's going to be a really low commitment. Um, I'm starting small. My goal was to just, I just want to start, but I'm going to start small. I don't need to raise $20 million. My first fund, I'm going to tell you this. Actually, I'll tell you the story. I'll keep going. So I, I start finding, reaching out to people. I pitch a few investors. They say, no, well, we want more experience. We want somebody. I said, okay, that's fine. It's funny when you start pitching investors, you know, you start learning how to answer questions better. Um, you know, an investor will ask you, what happens if you die? Like, what happens to my money? And I was like, huh, like, that's a really good question. I've never even thought of that. And I just shook the investor's hand and said, that's a great question. I have no idea. Um, and he said, okay, come back to me when you figure that out. And I was like, okay. So he, you know, I, you burn a lot of <laughs> these early meetings just figuring out what questions people will ask you. Finally, I went and... I sat in a boardroom and, um, and this goes back to that. So I was eating lunch with a, a guy last week. He asked me, how did you have the confidence to pitch investors without the background, without the Harvard, without the 20 years on Wall Street experience? And I said two things. I said, number one is, if, and I won't go deep in my story, but my dad grew up, I mean, we, in my house, we just grew up in really normal average lifestyle. And then when I was Going, leaving high school, getting into college, I figured out my dad had actually made a lot of money, but he just never showed it. He just, he drove a car with a dent in it, just never, but he'd actually, and I went to his partner's house and his partner had a huge Mungo house and they made about the same money. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And um, so I figured out my dad has money, right? And then I started to figure out other people that I know 
kind of have money that I've met before but didn't seem like it. And I said, man, these guys are the most average people. They're just normal. They're the most normal people on the planet. They like my, and I have watched now since then, I've watched how wealthy people act and, and deal. And, and it's funny, they, you know, you made a hundred million dollars. Well, guess what? Your wife's still gonna make you take the garbage out at night and your kids are still gonna struggle in school and you're still gonna have all the problems of life. Those things do not disappear with money. And most of the people, that I now I've been able to to be in social circles with guys. Like last Monday, I was with a guy that he's worth, I think, about three hundred million dollars. We hung out for a couple hours, and most normal guy, just normal, down to earth, and they want to be treated that way. And so I told them, number one, when I'm pitching investors, the number one thing is, I just treat them like just the most normal. I don't do anything special. Like I just feel comfortable around rich people. I don't, I guess just cause I, <laughs> I figured out my dad was rich and I didn't know it. And I just felt comfortable around him to be able to talk to him and joke and laugh. And um, rich people are just like normal people and poor people. They're all the same. They just want to feel meaningful. They want to be liked by other people. They want to be funny. They want to, they want to hear a funny story. I mean, it's just, it's, that's, that's my mindset when I meet with rich people. I do not, I rarely get intimidated by rich people when I get around them. Sometimes I do, I could say all the time, but sometimes I really do. But um, like we hung out, I, six months ago, I hung out with two billionaires for a day and it was just incredible. Um, these guys, there's the owners of Qualtrics. So Scott, Scott Smith and Ryan Smith, um, they sold Qualtrics last year for six and a half, was it six and a half billion dollars somewhere around there? Anyways, they both took home just over a billion dollars hung out with them for a day and it was just fun. We just chatted, we talked, we made jokes, we talked about family and life and football and basketball. I mean, it was just fun, right? And they wanna do that. And so anyways, that was my first thing is is do not get intimidated by rich people. They're just normal people with a little bit bigger pockets. And then secondly, I told them I truly, when I so I went into this room, I was young, I went into this room, I pitched like, there was like seven potential investors in this room and I walked in and I was a little bit nervous. So, okay, here we go. And first off, I said, I'm not gonna be intimidated by these people. And secondly is I believe in my fund more than anything else. And if you listen to the previous interview, actually with my dad, he said the same thing. If you have a, the best product in the world for your fund, it makes it so easy to pitch it. And I walked in there and I said, hey guys, I'm starting a fund. We're doing um, these short-term financing. I'm not gonna go deep into what my fund does, but I pitched it. And I truly believe that was one of the best investments they could make on the planet. Because I'd seen the, what it could do and the tracker behind it. And I said, hey, I'm putting my own money in. I'm putting like my life savings dollars into this fund because I believe in it so much. I'm willing to put all my skin in the game. Not just a little bit. I'm putting all my skin in the game. Are you guys willing to get in with me? And if you, don't, if you say no, that's fine. But I'm going to go on to somebody else. And they're going to make a fantastic return on this fund. And I think having the confidence in your fund makes the biggest difference when pitching investors. If you're having if you're struggling pitching investors, you do not have a good enough product. I'll say that again. If you're struggling finding, pitching, closing investors, you as a salesman, pitch man, whatever you want to call yourself, do not believe in your fund enough. That's your biggest problem is you don't believe that it actually makes money. If you believed people would put money in and you would just put your own money in, right? Um, so I, I pitched these seven investors. They gave me money and we launched our first fund. And um, anyways, and now pitching investors, I pitched an investor last Thursday. Um, and I mean, I didn't even pitch him. We just went to lunch together and I told him about my fund and he said, I want to put money in. I didn't even pitch him. We just talked. He said, I want to put money. He sent me a text after. He said, I want to put money in. Um, let me know when your next open is. And I said, great. Because I, he could just feel the passion I have about my fund, about how 
freaking good returns we get. And I, I wish, I'm talking to my lawyers and I wanna tell you all the returns and I wanna tell you every, all the details, but they won't let me tell that publicly, um, <laughs> SEC compliance. But we're doing okay and I seriously put almost all the money I make, I dump it right back into my fund because I truly believe it's the best investment on the planet. When you pitch an investor like that, they look past all the, the you know, your MBA, they look past your, <laughs> your Wall Street experience. Um, when you have the confidence, put your own skin in the game and you have a fantastic product and you can show them the deal. That's the one thing I tell you, show them the deal. Just say, hey, you guys look at this real estate property. Look at my Forex trading profile for the last six months. Look at my, I don't know, commodities or future trading right here. Let's look at this model. Tell me the holes that you see because I don't see any. And maybe they're going to pick some good holes and maybe you got to go restructure thing and maybe they won't. Um, that's how I've loved to pitch investors. That's how I've had confidence pitching and still pitching investors. We're all, you're always raising money, right? You're always, you're always raising money for the, the next and bigger and greater fund. Um, but that's, that's my story on that. So now diving into the four types of investors. So um, there's four different types of investors deemed by the SEC and they are thus. So the SEC, this is in 1929. So the stock market in the 1920s had grown like crazy. It was just on fire. They call it the booming 20s or the roaring 20s, whatever you want to call it. It was going up like crazy. And then on Black Thursday, the stock market took an incredible dive and there was an extraordinary amount of selling. Um, market goes goes down a ton. They, it was so bad, they called it Black Thursday, Black Monday, and Black Tuesday, I believe. Anyways, it was the four, four biggest days of decline ever. I think even to this day, um, if you adjust for inflation ever, the, the amount of, of market cap that was lost in those four days was more than the total cost of World War One, and that's adjusting for inflation. I, I believe in today's money, it was about $250 billion that vanished in four days. So anyways, then that led the country into the Great Depression um, with, a few other, with a few other things. So anyways, 1933, Franklin D. Roosevelt says, we gotta fix this. We gotta, we gotta protect the investors and let's set up a thing called the Securities Exchange Commission or the SEC. And he grabs Joseph Kennedy to put in on, on the top of that as the head of the SEC. And so Joseph Kennedy, he's John F. Kennedy, Robert Kennedy, that's their dad. He had made a fortune in the 1920s doing things that, a lot of things that are now illegal. So he made a ton of money, I mean, illegally shorting stocks. He was manipulating the newspapers to put out different ads and articles to change stock prices, all sorts of stuff like that. And then he gets, in 1933, he gets put on the, the chief chairman of the board of the SEC. You kind of grab the, the fox to protect the chicken coop kind of thing, or the wolf to protect the chicken coop. That's what they did. And they said, you know all the tricks Let's put him at the top and ask him, okay, now protect us because he's made enough money that he can now do a public service. So he said, great. He comes out with the the um, Securities Act of 1933 and a lot of the rules and regulations that we still have today, almost 100 years later, like 90 years later, come from that act that they put in place. One of the things that he talked about in there was different classifications of investors. So there are four classifications of investors. A lot of people don't know there are four. They think there's like two, um, but I'm gonna walk you through those right now. So he deems out, and, and just to give you a little context, the SEC, their whole purpose at that time when they made these rules and still today is to protect the little guy. So when you're starting your fund, keep this in the back of your head, is the SEC wants to protect 
grandma who has saved 20 grand. They want to protect her from some Wall Street guy, slick salesman comes over, takes her 20 grand and loses it, right? And now she doesn't have any money to live on. And they deem her as a, a non-sophisticated investor that she doesn't know better and that she, um, you know, is taken advantage of. So they've deemed class of investors to protect certain types of investors. So the four classes are this. So you have the first class is non-accredited investors. Those are pretty much everybody that doesn't fit into the other three classifications. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you those three classifications in a second, but most people are non-accredited investor, meaning you make less than $250,000 a year or you have less than a million dollars net worth. That's what a non-accredited investor is. And most funds, when you file with the SEC under Regulation D, most of those, those filings will not allow you to take non-accredited investors. Or if you take them, you can only take like 35 non-accredited investors or 99 non-accredited investors. So you have to make sure to keep count of them. And if you do take non-accredited investors, you have to um, file and, and disclose a lot more things to them because the SEC deems them as they are not sophisticated investors. So you have to educate them on the investment to make sure they're in the know-how. And if one of them complains the SEC, you're gonna be in an SEC review and it's kind of a lot of trouble. So that's the, the first classification is non-accredited investors. Second class is called accredited investor. So these are <laughs> these very simple terms. Non-accredited, now we have accredited investors. Accredited investors make $250,000 a year or have a, a million dollar net worth, not including their home. So if you have one of those two things, or if your spouse and you combined make $300,000 a year, you are now an accredited investor. And so the SEC says is, hey, if you're making at least that much money or you have that big of a net worth, a million dollar net worth, you know enough about money to be smart enough with your investments. And if you lose money in your investments, you're gonna be okay. You're not gonna be grandma that's not gonna be able to eat for the rest of her life um, because she lost her 20 grand. So that's, what, that's how they've deemed investors. Um, that's accredited investors. The third type is called a qualified client. A qualified client has a net worth of 2.1 million, not including their home. And that is the uh, just one step above accredited investor. And that's number three. Number four is called a qualified purchaser. Qualified purchaser has a net worth of $5 million, uh, not including their home, or it's an entity that has a 25 that has 25 million dollars of assets in it. So if you brought, you know, people together in an entity, you have to have 25 million dollars to be a qualified purchaser. So you'll hear on the news that this is kind of interesting. A lot of people don't know this. You'll hear on the news that you know somebody on CNN, CNBC, they'll talk. Hey, our fund only takes um, qualified purchasers, and a lot of people think. Oh, that means that means that you must be a credit investor. No, there's actually the qualified purchaser class. They, then some people on CNN, hey, we, we we take anybody above a qualified client, or we only take qualified investors is another term they'll use. That's kind of a tricky one. Hey, we only take qualified investors, and a lot of people will think, oh, that must mean accredited investor. No, it doesn't. That means you have to be a qualified client or a qualified purchaser. Accredited investors, they do not take. Those are little differences you'll hear on the news if you start listening um, to see those. So, so with that, when you file with the SEC and make sure to grab, I'm not giving you legal advice or anything. This is just my personal opinion. When you file, make sure you have a lawyer, look over everything and make sure they tell you how many of each type of investor you can have. Some funds, when you file, you can only have uh, 199 accredited investors. 
and they, they limit you that on your fund. If you wanna get more investors, you have your 200th investor, you need to put it into a new fund off your same general partner. So just make sure uh, you are in the know about what to do. So my first fund we launched, we took non-accredited investors. And it was a small, it was almost a syndicate, syndication type of a fund. We brought investors in, we worked it for six months, we made pretty good returns. I, mean, I can't say any numbers, but we did pretty well. Our investors were really happy with us, they loved us. And we said, okay, we're actually not gonna do a more syndication anymore. We're gonna actually launch a real fund and file with SEC. And by doing that, I said, hey, we only can take accredited investors. And a few of our investors were kind of mad about it because they weren't accredited. I said, sorry, I, I can only take accredited investors. They're like, no, come on, you can't take my money. And I said, do you, are you, do you make a million dollars? Excuse me, do you have a million dollar net worth or do you make $250,000 a year? And they said, well, no, I make a little bit less than that. And I said, well, sorry, until you hit that, I can't take your money. I'm gonna go find other investors. And it was one, it was, it was hard to turn down investors. And also though, it was, I think, really a really good move for our fund um, because the new investors I found had really big wallets. Um, I had, my first fund had a lot of investors. My second fund, I only needed like a handful of investors because they, they opened up, they, they put a lot more in, right? Um, and accredited investors, or non-accredited investors as well with our first fund, they were interesting. And I'll, I'll say why. We had one investor, he gave me $5,000. It's like the smallest you could put in. Gave me five grand. And I remember the first week after they, he, he, had, he hadn't even given me the money. He had signed the documents and was about to you know, send the money over. Non-accredited investor, this is our first fund. And he starts calling me like, every couple days, like, hey, Bridger, when are we gonna start putting the money? When can we deploy it? When are we gonna start moving? Hey, wait, I've gotta buy, um, my, my wife needs to, she got her car fixed. Actually, can I only give you $4,000? I was like, holy crap, if you cannot commit $5,000 on a capital commitment to me, like, you are not my investor. If you're gonna have to call me and say, oh, I've gotta put new tires on my car, and so I can only put $4,000 in, like, you're not my investor. Because those non-accredited investors, even though there's, there's more of them that can give you five grand or 10 or 20 grand, are not worth it because they are so annoying and bug you so much and they're so such tight wads, I guess you could say about their money, they're so worried about their little $5,000, they can't even sleep at night and they're calling you, hey, can I pull my money out? Can I, you're gonna charge me a fine if I pull my money out? Yeah, that's in the fund documents, you signed them. Oh my gosh, you're such a jerk, blah, blah, blah. They are so annoying. My, my big accredited, actually both my investors now are qualified purchasers, um, they, they give me hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's not even a big deal. Like they don't even ask about it for, and I send my quarterly report to them and they, they say, thanks, this is awesome. And they have dozens of other investments that are a lot bigger than mine that they get paid on. So it's, it's a lot better working with them, a lot more sophisticated investor. That's my two cents. That's my just personal opinion, not advice or anything, but that's what I would say to do with your investors. So four types of investors. You have non-accredited investors, accredited investors, qualified clients, and qualified purchasers. Um, if you bring those terms up in a meeting and can explain each one of them, you're gonna look a lot smarter than your boss or other people around you. Um, or when you're pitching investors, right? You need to know what these limited partners um, can do and have. So anyways, love you guys. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the flip side. See ya, bye. Hey, what's going on? I know a lot of you out there are starting funds or thinking about starting funds and something I was so grateful for was having mentors. When I started my first fund, I had people to turn to and to ask questions 
And so what I've decided to do is make the same thing for you. So what we've done is compiled a lot of interviews, things that I've learned, my personal pitch decks that I've used to pitch investors and put it all into what I call a mini vault. So in there, I deep dive into Forex funds, into real estate funds, how to structure them, how to structure deals, how to find investors. And I try to go deep to help mentor you to help you start your first fund. And in addition to that, we have a private members group on Facebook that fund managers are getting together on there and talking and working through problems together. So if this is interesting to you, if you wanna get involved and get some help right off the ground, go to investmentfundsecrets.com for less than 100 bucks, you can get started and get into the mini vault and I would love to see you in there on the Facebook group and talk with us. Thanks, see ya.